The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Today I'd like to talk about fire, suffering, and the arising of confidence. And before I uh, start with that, I just want to thank each and every one of you uh, for braving the smoke to come here this morning. I didn't expect to see so many people. So thank you for being here. And with these fires that uh, continue to burn, none of us are immune from the tragedy that's befallen so many people. I checked uh, the CAL FIRE uh, site this morning, and as of last night, uh, 79 people have died, and 9,981 homes have been destroyed and many more people are missing. And I'm sure that uh, each and every one of us is struggling uh, with how do we hold this degree of suffering? And it's especially uh, vivid for us because um, we're not only witnessing Uh, dukkha, suffering, we're breathing it. Um, I live in Grass Valley, which is about 50 miles away from the fire, but it's to the east, and it's uh, at a higher elevation in the foothills, and we have mostly uh, blue skies uh, because we're not downwind, but there's millions of people downwind who are uh, breathing the smoke uh, and have been for days including all of you. So it's, uh, it's like a, an inescapable, constant reminder of the precarity of not only the human condition, but uh, the condition of all living beings, whether they're people or animals or plants. So here we are in Redwood City, uh, and I think, I imagine most of you would join me in feeling that we're right smack uh, in the midst of dukkha. And our task is to open our hearts, to turn towards this immense suffering. And, you know, we all know that uh, suffering is part of the human condition, but there are ways of knowing and ways of knowing, and uh, it's not enough to know this intellectually. We have to really get it in the, in the core of our being, uh, the truth of dukkha. And that uh, dukkha has been always been part of the human condition, forever. And this terrible fire that we're witnessing um, can be our teacher. 
So um, let us just take a moment to bring to mind all those beings <coughs> who are at this moment in harm's way and send them our very sincere wishes for their safety and well-being. <coughs> I think for many of us it's a struggle to keep our hearts open in these conditions. And we're all trying to figure out how, how we can hold this. So our job uh, as meditators is to settle the mind enough so that we can really meet and be with the precarity of the conditions of all living beings on this planet. And then there's the fires of greed, hate, and delusion, (coughs) which uh, many of us feel are at epic proportions nowadays, and that we have never in our lifetimes seen um, this degree of greed, hate, and delusion operating openly. So uh, if we want to help, it's not going to be from a position of despair or panic or fear or outrage. Um, The Buddha has a a wonderful teaching that you may have heard about. It's called Liberative Dependent Arising. And in this teaching, he uh, describes the conditions that the practitioner puts in place. And when these conditions uh, ripen, they uh, form the ground for the next condition to arise and ripen. And eventually, uh, this leads us to complete liberation and the knowledge of liberation. So it might be um, a bit counterintuitive, but this process of the conditioned arising of liberation actually begins with suffering. So I... I like to say that every time we're in the presence of suffering or even just have a slight taste of dukkha, we're at a fork in the road. And it's really important to remember this. One uh, road, which is the road of resistance and reactivity and outrage, Um, takes us down the path of more suffering. Uh, As soon as we uh, get into an unskillful reactive mode, it's like presto, we're right back on the wheel of samsara and fueled by ignorance. But the other door, the other road, is that the suffering that's in front of us can be the door to awakening. And it becomes this door to awakening when we respond skillfully. So how do we do that? Um, 
the wise response to to suffering is not to try to push it away, but to turn towards it. And turning towards it requires uh, four things, I think. Uh, Seeing things as they are, settling the mind, letting go of our resistance, and letting go of our reactivity. So the Buddha um, argues that the path to freedom requires um, clearly seeing things as they are. And in essence, this means recognizing the three characteristics of existence. Knowing the truth of impermanence, the truth of suffering, and the truth of not-self. So when we, when we start to see the world through this optic, um, we're beginning to see things the way they really are. And a peaceful heart is being at peace with things just the way they are. So it doesn't, in let's say the case of this fire, it doesn't mean that we're okay uh, with so much loss of life and uh, devastation um, and homelessness. But what it means is that this is what's happening. It's as simple as that, it's happening. And we're not uh, in a position to, to change it. Uh, we're all very grateful for the first responders who are in that position, and um, they're doing a fantastic job. Even today, they, they anticipate that the, um, those Santa Ana winds that have made this fire so destructive are going to pick up today. And uh, the firefighters are doing everything they can to uh, keep it in check. And the good news, they've already got it uh, 55% contained. So that's, that's excellent. So it means um, coming to terms with uh, the truth of impermanence, the truth of suffering, the truth of not-self. And the invitation is to let go of rebelling against uh, this level of tragedy. Um, that that's not actually going to be a very skillful way of, um, of dealing with it. And the challenge for us is, how do we meet this suffering with wisdom? Another way of uh, seeing things clearly is uh, seeing things through the lens of the Four Noble Truths. knowing that suffering is part of the human condition. It exists. Knowing the arising of suffering. Knowing or perhaps trusting the end of suffering. And that there's a path to the end of suffering. For me, this, this third noble truth has been, has been very... Um, encouraging, very liberating. Um, at first, I believed it because, it, you know, it was a, very, a core teaching of the Buddha. But, you know, as we practice, little by little, we get to have uh, some firsthand experience of this third noble truth of the end of suffering. 
those of you who've, who've been practicing for some time, you can look back on your own reactivity, how reactive you were five years ago, perhaps, compared to how reactive you are nowadays. And I think all of us who are walking this path, little by little, we're becoming less and less reactive. You know, it's not like we're always less reactive, but you can, you can, you can see progress based on your own direct experience. And I think this is, a, this is a wonderful thing. And this is how uh, suffering can give rise to faith or confidence. It's not um, from a belief system. It's from our own uh, lived experience and, um, and seeing for ourselves that, wow, this is good being le- less reactive. This is, this is positive. I'd like more of this. You know, this is, this is not creating as much suffering as I used to create. So, um, so that's, that's really the, the principal way in which uh, faith or confidence can grow out of our own practice in dealing with suffering. So in our meditation, we have a a wonderful resource for settling the heart. Because when we're sitting, um, we are making the effort to be with things just as they are. Be with ourselves just as we are. With all of our imperfections, we're not somebody else, you know, (laughs) We we can't just... Um, magic it all away, and so what we what we learn in meditation is uh, some uh, degree of self compassion and being able to um, honor who we are, including and that includes our neuroses and our difficulties and our mistakes. So, um, meditation is, is just uh, an incredible resource for learning to make peace with ourselves, learning to make peace with what's happening in the world. Um, and when the heart can settle a bit and there's space for peace to arise, then we have something that we can give to others. We can share it. But as long as we're caught in the reactivity or in the resistance or in, you know, railing against the injustice of it all, um, we're not in a very good position to help others. Um, I've certainly um, seen in my own life uh, the suffering that I've created through uh, reactivity. Anybody else? (laughs) Um, Yesterday I had a 
practice discussion with a, a practitioner whom I'd never met before. It was the first time we were meeting. And I, I'd like to uh, share with you a little bit of what he told me because um, I was pretty amazed. Uh, he told me that he had become a full-time caregiver. And for him, this means that he is uh, in his home 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It was four and a half years ago that his wife was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And um, he said she's a very uh, intelligent lady and she's also cognizant of her uh, decline, which must be an incredibly challenging situation uh, for her. But also imagine uh, being this full-time caregiver for four and a half years. Um, how challenging it must be for, for this gentleman as well. And you know what? He is doing it without any resistance that I could detect. He's doing it with grace. He's doing it with um, wisdom. He's even doing it with joy. And he's using the fact that he's, he referred to his home as a prison, but, you know, it's, uh, he's using the fact of being cooped up to put himself on uh, an extended self-retreat and taking time throughout the day when, when there are moments when, that, you know, he doesn't have to do anything um, to practice and to study. And so he's using this, this uh, opportunity of, um, you know, being a caregiver to deepen his practice. I can't tell you how inspired I was by that. I thought it was a, a really beautiful example of what's humanly possible in meeting suffering without resistance and, and uh, doing it in a wise and, and beautiful way. So, um, I mentioned that when we meet suffering, we're, we're always at a fork in the road. Um, but if we don't have sufficient mindfulness, we don't remember that we're at a fork in the road, and our reactivity or our resistance or our greed, hate, and delusion uh, can get the best of us. So... Um, the first thing that we really need to be able to start uh, responding more wisely to our suffering is uh, the mindfulness that we um, learn in meditation and that we uh, hopefully apply uh, in our lives. You could even say that uh, not just when you're in the face of suffering, but actually every moment you have, there's that fork in the road. There's an opportunity to take a path that is a path towards freedom, and there's another opportunity to take a path that's a path towards more suffering. And so as we um, strengthen our mindfulness, more and more and more and more often, we'll, we'll see when we have choices, and we won't be regretting later that uh, we were too reactive. 
And so we can, um, as, we, as we get better at uh, taking the, the path that we value, um, we just naturally have more confidence in it. You know, we know this, the path of non-harming is really where I want to put my life and my, and my practice. And the path of greed, hate, and delusion is not. So, um, so I think it's quite um, wonderful that we can see this, this confidence arising from, from our own practice and, and putting mindfulness into practice and making uh, good choices about uh, what we want to do in each moment. For some of us, um, we have confidence in the teachings of the Buddha, but uh, confidence in ourselves is another story. And that certainly uh, has been true for me. Um, I was 24 when I received lay ordination from Shinryu Suzuki Roshi, and I was a pretty confused and troubled and emotional 24-year-old. And the name he gave me was... Kancho Doshin. So Kancho uh, means feel, illuminate. So I, I thought, oh, that's nice. I can, I can be emotional and maybe that will illuminate something. For <laughs> but the other name, which was the, the primary name, was Doshin. And that means path of faith. And... Um, there was no trouble for me at all with uh, faith in the teachings of the Buddha. That was, that was 100%. But faith in Meg? Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I really didn't see it. I really, really, really didn't. I didn't believe that... Well, I, didn't, I, I had a strong sense of being unworthy, but... Um, it never occurred to me that liberation might be something I could aspire to. <clears throat> that's for the people, you know, that's for the good meditators and that's for the people who aren't so screwed up as I am, you know. Um, so it was kind of like uh, Suzuki Roshi gave me a koan to work with, you know, with this name that, that I was having trouble uh, wearing. <laughs> And, you know, um, I think as we continue in our practice, especially if in our meditation we do cultivate self-compassion and being kind to ourselves, you know, the mind wanders, and if we can come back with a, you know, no judgment, just this is okay, there's a thought train, I see it, and I'm coming back to the breath. I'm coming back to the body. And I don't have to put myself down for having been off for a while. And it's actually much more um, effective to let go of being judgmental. You know, the tendencies that so many of us have to be, uh, to be very judgmental is often we've learned that in our childhoods. 
And it doesn't serve us well. It makes us more judgmental of others. It makes us unhappy. And so, you know, little by little with this practice, you can get to the point where you really see the um, lack of value of being judgmental. And you can let go of it more and more and more until one day you can maybe put it down for good. Um, so the, the Pali word for um, faith or confidence is sada. Um, and it's the second condition in this whole process of liberative dependent arising. So we respond to suffering with wisdom and that plants the seed for faith. And the Buddha actually uses this analogy of a seed. So once the seed is planted, um, we could have the seed in our pocket for a lifetime and it may never germinate. But if it's going to germinate, we have to water it. You know, we have to give it sunshine. We have to give it good soil. Um, and so we we nurture the conditions that will be favorable for the growth of this seed of faith. And if we do that long enough and with enough dedication and conviction, and um, eventually uh, our seed is going to take root. You know, the seed of a redwood tree is very small. But once it gets going and it gets rooted, boy, it's, it's, uh, it's really something. And so this is something that we can aspire for, for our faith. Because um, having confidence in the path and having confidence in ourselves, it's what um, initiates this whole a flow of liberative dependent arising that leads to liberation. But it's also what um, encourages us from day to day. So it's, it's a very important quality to, to try to nurture. And so I would really, you know, just, I just want to encourage you to, you know, look for um, skillful ways to respond to your suffering so that you're, you've got that condition well in hand, and then notice um, how a greater confidence in yourself and in your practice uh, can be born from that, and nurture that, nurture that confidence, that faith. Um, so what, what holds us back? And here I will uh, give you a couple of quotes from Deepa Ma. Deepa Ma, as you may know, was this phenomenal um, practitioner and meditator and teacher. Um, she was deeply, deeply, deeply enlightened. And uh, so she says, Let go of thinking and your faith will come from within. So there's a, there's a useful instruction. Um, and then she, she told Sharon Salzberg once, 
Um, Sharon, you can do anything you want to do. It's only your thought that you can't do it that's holding you back. So our limitations, our separateness, our fears are actually um, the material through which we discover our wholeness. And I'd like to um, also uh, suggest to you to ask yourselves, where do you place your confidence? And in general, we place our confidence where we value things. So if we spend a lot of time thinking in meditation, that means that we're valuing our thought trains more than we're valuing uh, the spaciousness and the peace that we can have by letting the thoughts subside. So think about that for a minute. You know, it's, it's, um, we have choices to make when, when we start thinking in meditation. And so often, we'd just rather go with that fantasy, or we'd like to do that planning, or we'd like to create a better past and relive that old story. Um, and this is not placing our confidence where uh, we would actually like to place it. So... Uh, for me, that's that's a good thing that, uh, to remember. Um, I wanted to leave some time for discussion, so we've we've got ten minutes. Is that right? Um, hmm? Okay. So I'll stop there. But before I do it, let me just read you this poem um, from this uh, connected discourses of the Buddha. Um, Sometimes the Buddha says that uh, faith is our best treasure. And in this uh, poem, he says that faith is a person's partner. So what happens is this devata comes down from the heavens, and this is a heavenly being that is so radiant and beautiful that they light up the entire Jetta's Grove where the Buddha is is, uh, meditating. And they come down to the Buddha, and they stand... Uh, respectfully to one side, and the devata asks the Buddha, what is a person's partner? What is it that instructs one? Taking delight in what is a mortal released from all suffering? And the Buddha replies, faith is a person's partner, and wisdom is what instructs one. Taking delight in nibbana, liberation, A mortal is released from all suffering. Thank you. So um, let's talk about whatever you'd like to talk about. So um, we often talk about um, 
faith and confidence almost interchangeably. And um, it's something that I struggle with, the use of the term faith. And for a number of reasons, because of what I think it means. Um, and I'm wondering, is that really an accurate translation of the Pali word? Uh, the Pali word is sada. And it is usually Bhikkhu Bodhi who has done these, all, the translations of all these um, huge uh, collections. He uses faith more than anything else to translate sada. Um, and, but confidence is also uh, a way of translating it. And, and I kind of like confidence because maybe for what you're talking about, that faith may have uh, connotations for some people that may be a little bit uncomfortable. But I've also heard Gil say that he prefers the translation of faith for sada. Um, it can also be translated as devotion. Um, what else? And, you know, you can, you can sort of imagine that um, what we're trying to do is understand a concept that was uh, an important concept in India uh, 2,500 years ago in a completely different context than what we're in today. And, you know, trying to find English renditions of it that uh, are as, you know, as close as possible. One of the things Gil does when he, when he translates is he doesn't just rely on the... Um, Pali English Dictionary, he will go and look at how the word in Pali is used in many, many, many different uh, suttas. And from that, he'll get a context of, uh, of what it might mean. So th- there's, there's a, there are a lot of challenges in translating the Pali. Putting it in a historical context is, is useful, I think. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. I have a remark myself. <laughs> uh, so, um, not so long ago, I used to see bumper stickers that said, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. And I believe your talk suggests that you can be paying attention in a different way. That's right. And not be outraged. That's and last June when I talked here, I talked about the political situation and and I talked specifically about how this tendency to want us to be outraged is counterproductive in terms of really effectuating change. It's just keeping us on this wheel of, uh, of outrage, which is where, where those evil forces want us to be. <laughs> so, yeah, letting go of outrage is, is skillful, I believe. Yeah, I was wondering if we could talk about compassion in action. Many times compassion is very mental or internal. How does how do we, you know, express compassion, especially in the situation that we're in here? I have I have an example of a, a friend of mine who is um a neighbor who is very politically active. And she um found an organization where she could adopt uh, people who had lost everything. And she adopted a a young woman who was a single mom who uh, wanted to go to Nevada. 
and didn't have any money and didn't have uh, tires for her car. And um, anyway, so uh, my friend um, sent out an email to her list, uh, which I'm on, and, and asked for people to donate. And she, you know, she's put together seven hundred dollars, and um, and so this this one victim of the fire is now going to go on to a better life in Nevada, with a few resources. So that's that's one way of compassion in action in these days. Yeah, the need is huge. Oh, hi. Um, <coughs> hi. Hi. Um, okay, so on a cognitive level, I know that Excuse faith... Me? On a cognitive level, I know that faith is very important, and I've had faith. I've had faith in people, faith in institutions, and I have been sorely disappointed mm-hmm. uh, so how would you um, uh, address the inevitable cynicism that can mm. arise yeah I, thi- I think you know um, in situations like what you're talking about um, if we want to place faith in something uh, we need a bit of wisdom. We need a bit of discernment to know whether this is really where we want to put our faith. So sometimes that requires investigation. Sometimes it requires mindfulness. Um, sometimes uh, doubt can be a huge hindrance to practice. It is one of the five hindrances. But there's also skillful doubt. You know, and sometimes it's, uh, if you have some doubt, it's skillful to actually investigate it and look into it. And maybe what you're doubting is offering you some wisdom. So it's up to each one of us to cultivate the discernment that we need in order to be able to make wise decisions about where to place our faith. Thank you. Is there a way to encourage people who are outraged to let go of the outrage and still remain active? Yeah. That's, that's what's needed. Yeah. And there are people who are doing that. I mean, there are, there are um, say, political activists who have seen um, that outrage is sort of a trick. And, uh, and encouraging people not to go there and, and to find more constructive ways of interacting with um, politicians who are making um, unfortunate choices. Any specifics of how? Um, I live in um, California District Number 1, mm-hmm. Deep Red, the, um, our representative, we had a wonderful progressive candidate running against the representative, but she lost by 12 points, unfortunately. Um, but every time I would call his office and ask him to vote a certain way, he would do the exact opposite. Um, but still, that's more effective than just calling his office and screaming 
in outrage, yeah. you know. So that's just that's a small example, but mm-hmm. you know there there are ways to interact um, substantively and uh, intelligently that don't require outrage. Did that answer your question? A bit. A bit. <laughs> I'll keep looking for those ways. Yeah, I think yeah. we all have to. You know, it's. It's tempting to feel outrage. Another thing, I don't know if, you know, if there's social media is also a, a, another story. But um, if you participate in social media, you can be careful of what you click on mm-hmm. and what you share. And it's just because something is outrageous and you're, you know, like really furious about it, don't give in to the temptation to share it or to like it or, you know, just... Pick other things to share that are that are more um, skillful. Yes. Thank you. It's actually ten forty five, so I don't know if you're able to stick around and talk to some folks. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so before we go, let's just um, dedicate our practice. May all beings. Be free from harm. And may our practice benefit all beings everywhere without exception. May we and all beings be free. Thank you. <laughs>